2: What is going on Roto Grinders? Dean here. It's Dean 7904. If you want to go a little technical on me in the uh, the DFS circles, this once again is the NFL Picks 6 show. Two of the best minds in all of DFS and all of NFL. We're uh, going to back every single week. Batting first, leading off. You know him from Roto World. It's uh, John Daigle. John, how are things in your world? How's, uh, how's Hump Day treating you? Everything's going well here.
3: Uh last week, I will say I entered the afternoon, only two games, by the way, with DeAndre Swift, Derek Henry, and Trey Burton. But it still doesn't work out when you stack oh. the Packers and watch them just crumble underneath the Bucks defense. So almost there
2: last week. Almost. You at least had hope. My uh my week went. It did not go well for your boy, but it's DFS. All we care about is today. Forget about last week. The score Correct. goes back to zero. Uh it was not a positive week for me, but uh you know, get yourself uh, up, dust yourself off and, uh, you know, take on week seven. I love this week seven, by the way, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it. And, uh, as far as deciding in the three games we focus on, I'm sure that was pretty tricky because there's more than three games that have my interest. Uh, also what I bring in, of course, you guys know I'm from start football analysis, the worksheets, uh, rich Rebar, rich, how are, uh, how about yourself for your, was last week. Good for you. Uh, kind of somewhere in the middle. It was like a break even, uh, no,
4: nothing big. Uh, Derek Henry and cash went under Derrick Henry in tournaments. So, you know, how that went, uh, So falling the sword there. Uh, But, you know, it worked out one week when he played the Jaguars. It did not work out last week. Uh, But we move on to week seven, try to win. uh, We're we're still chasing some big money here, though. But this slate like you hit on is fantastic, at least on paper. Uh, Whereas last week we kind of meandered through thinking like, well, what do we really want to do here? Uh, There are too many plays on this Mm -hmm. slate.
2: Yeah, uh, it is worth noting, obviously, we focus just on the main slate here. So we're not going to talk about the Colts you run by. Baltimore's on by, Minnesota's on by, the Dolphins are on by. Oh, RIP Fitzpatrick. That was so sad watching him talking about how much he loved playing. Maybe he'll get traded. We'll see. I, that was possibly, who knows? I'm sure it's been floated out there by many people. Uh, but, you know, there's some people out there that think that Fitzpatrick's like a top 10, top 15, like real life quarterback in the year 2020, which is an interesting take. Uh, we're not talking about that. We're just talking about DFS. Week, uh, week seven, only the main slate. Thursday night, we're throwing that out. No Giants, no Philly, no Bucks, no Raiders, no uh, Bears and Rams on Monday night. Uh, on this show of course we focus on three main teams three main games six teams total and uh hey we got the chat up there on youtube what's up youtube feel free to like and subscribe we do appreciate that we're also live you guys are not aware oh uh, we have you know videos all throughout the week all throughout the uh, every single day there's gonna be something up here on the rg page but uh sunday for three hours we go live all the way up uh, leading with the locks that's good times as well all right uh let's talk about the first game on tap and look this is the thing dagle uh It's not how watchable it is. It's not if it's great football necessarily, but from a DFS perspective, Detroit versus Atlanta, that's one of the games that's popping 55 and a half. As far as the total Detroit's a three point dog here, it's high and it's tight. Atlanta got their first W last week. Julio erupted last week. Uh, Detroit, you know, ravaged the Jags. We didn't exactly get the fantasy points. Well, some of us did if you were, you know, betting on the come as far as Swift. Uh, This game, how are we attacking it? It's high, it's tight, it's in a dome. It's beautiful, right?
3: It is beautiful, and this is the theme of this week. Not only one of the key matchups we'll be getting exposure towards, but also flop lag, because now we suddenly find ourselves trying to leverage the Lions passing game, I would assume, off of DeAndre Swift. I think, honestly, that was probably the game plan for the Lions last week, was to go in attacking the Jaguars' front seven, because even in these 16 plays that they ran during neutral game script, it was only four passes to 12 runs on the ground, and then we would saw what happened. They get inside the 10-yard line, they give DeAndre Swift three carries inside the five, they give Adrian Peterson a carry on the goal line as well, so it looked like they were trying to ram the ball down the Jaguars' throats, but You can't really do that against the Falcons, believe it or not. Uh, They've allowed 3.6 yards per carry to opposing running backs and just two touchdowns all year long, whereas Atlanta's secondary is exactly where we want to attack because they have allowed nearly 50 more fantasy points than the next closest defense through the air so I know people do not have faith in the Lions passing attack right now but Stafford is still fresh off a season high and balls thrown 20 plus yards downfield he's over 10 air yards per attempt the past two weeks you sandwiched together that game before the bye as well so I think Stafford and the passing attack like you've seen the jar on the lid slowly coming up trying to get pressure and emerge and I think that's
2: finally what happens this week your thoughts there Rebo are you on board with the passing game
4: yeah, I like it. You know, it's interesting as I was down on Stafford this year coming into the season because, you know, everyone was citing his eight games. That he played last year, and uh, you know how gaudy his stats were. And not even thinking about like you know how it was one half a season sample, and that he had the fifth easiest schedule in the league through that point And then they had the 29th schedule, so he dodged all like the hard games. Uh, and then he set career highs and yards per attempt and touch, right? No one cared about any of that and like was looking at it like under a <laughs> microscope. And it's kind of played out. The regression has happened for him, you know, throughout the season. I mean, he's 19th in yards per pass attempt right now, he's 17th in touchdown rate, right? so all that regression has come to play. And then the volume has just fallen off the cliff. Uh, He's thrown 33 or fewer passes in every game since week one. He's thrown exactly 31 passes the last three games. But this is a spot to kind of highlight going back to him um, and I think maybe last week it was you know where he was a guy that was we were circling around a little bit because the Jags were so bad but you know also it was we were you know kind of cognizant of hey the Jags needed to one do their part and that two the Jags are so bad against the run <laughs> that you know the Lions could you know theoretically just lean on the run and be boring and that's kind of what happened uh, you know even without they, they scored four touchdowns and three were rushing so I mean that's typically the type of split you don't see typically it's like 65-35 to the pass uh, but you know Stafford only threw for 223 yards he didn't have to throw it this week we'll probably will get some pushback from the falcons uh because if you look at matt ryan you know everyone will highlight the the on off splits with julio when you really just have to look at the defenses the falcons at faced two uh you know in matt ryan's games that he's popped he's been a qb eight or higher in all three games julio jones played but also played this seahawks the cowboys and the vikings those games too so it was a both world a best of both worlds having his second best wide receiver on the field uh, and having great matchups, but they're going to fight back and they're going to throw the ball uh, in this game as well. And they're going to score points. So we won't have a situation where the Jaguars are just trying to get junk points at the end of the game to kind of nurse Stafford's line along. We'll see the lions have to throw the football, you know, um, in, in this game. Uh, so it's really easy too when you look at this game to kind of figure out the pieces you want to play I and mean, the Falcons are as easy as it gets. I mean, they've got Matt Ryan, they've got Julio Jones, they've got Calvin Ridley. <laughs> The rest of these guys, like we don't really care about. They're all kind of ancillary jabronis. Uh, you know, Hayden Hurst got gift gift box. They uh, walk in 35 yard touchdown at the end of last week's game. But the only guys we care about are those two big dogs. And you can play if you want to play that side. You go. You can play both with Ryan, and you can just run Galladay back, or you can get cute and try to run Swift back. Because well, the interesting thing, like Daigle said, people are going to walk into this backwards the Swift thing because the the signal. It should be that we're – it's not even like you should go in on Swift's rushing share in this game and play him as a lead back even though he had 14 carries after having 12 all season long because – teams have not run successfully on the Falcons and if you played Alexander Madison last week you found that out before even GameScript got involved um, so DeAndre Swift people are going to want to play him for his rushing spike but the Falcons have allowed the most receiving points to opposing running backs all season long which is DeAndre Swift's main role in this offense and still was last week when Adrian Peterson still played the third highest snap share he's played all season uh, so this is going to get Adrian Peterson off the field probably potentially even more so people are probably walk into this backwards with Swift too and run to another uh, spot where the, they're not reading the signal the correct way. And I think people will look at Hawkinson, but uh, man, Hawkinson for me is tough. Uh, I think tournaments only, he's just not really involved. 16th in, in receptions per game at tight ends, 20th in targets per game. If he doesn't score a touchdown, like he's really not getting there. Uh, the Falcons are a match we've highlighted all year, but uh, Hawkinson is just not stacking the targets and yards. We really want to latch onto for a guy that uh, has really had even a high, to, to potentially have a
3: high ceiling. The sites have saved me from Hawkinson because they keep pricing him as if it will emerge every single week. And the fact is he's not, just not doing it. And so you're not, if you, if he hits his floor, which he's done in every game, he's just not getting there because his price isn't even low. So that's my continued issue with rostering Hawkinson and DMS.
2: All right, I got a couple of things. I know there's some noise and a lot of stats, uh, especially like in defense versus position, but yeah, Atlanta is, you know, the, the second most DK points I'm, I'm pulling up the, uh, it's a free tool here at Rotter You guys can check it out yourself. Uh, tight ends versus Atlanta, getting 21.13 fantasy points per game. Uh, Atlanta's just been a sib versus everybody, to be fair. well, Like you said, running backs have been, uh, you know, have, have had some issues. And that's kind of what we're talking about. That's another thing I want to ask. And I'm curious to get your guys' general take as far as this, because DVOA is something that people throw out there. It's, an, it's a very accessible stat, but it's a catch-all stat, and it's it can be noisy as well, too. And Daniel, how much do we care about that? Because like you guys are talking about, the DVOA for Atlanta, they're eighth against the run, they're 30th against the pass. Uh, how much do you trust DVOA? Is, I mean, it's a kind of a cheat code. And it's, I mean, there's something to it, but there's obviously more to dig into.
3: Yeah, I mean, I definitely trust DVOA. And I believe football outsiders, don't they start mixing in schedule? So basically they get rid of Dave around week six. So it was this week, I think. I could be misquoting that. Um, but either way, yeah, I, I typically look at DVOA, but as with all football stats, it's all just one giant piece of the puzzle. And there's so many pieces of that puzzle, which is why I've always have bags under my eyes by week seven, because I'm already drained and trying to find the energy somewhere (laughs) while Silva slides wine across the table to me. So yeah, it's just like, it's all a bunch of pieces of puzzles. Um, I'm assuming you're asking that because also uh, Rich was, Rich is correct. Uh, Todd Gurley is definitely an ancillary jabroni, as we like to cite on the show. <laughs> Having said that, nine targets in his past two games has run a season high in routes on Ryan's dropbacks and back-to-back contests now, so a slight role change for him in that span. Having said that, still pretty disastrous on the ground, and the, one, the only the one tournament I've seen him in all year that he's actually helped take down was, of course, against the Panthers, and that's who we play everyone against. So I, I'm still off of him in this matchup as well. And also, I know he did receive, I think it was 23 touches, uh, 20 carries last mm-hmm. week. But, like, the Falcons offense, is, it's, it's fun now because with their offense fully healthy, they've already experienced three blown losses, essentially. Like, they don't have a choice now, but they, they have to keep their foot on the gas with big leads, which is why I think they kept on throwing last week as well. So if that's the case here, and they somehow build a lead over the Falcons, which over the Lions, which I don't think so because I actually like the Lions outright. Uh, we know the Falcons will likely keep their foot on the gas and throwing the ball because they don't want to seed another two or three score deficit whenever they lead by that much.
2: Yeah, so Reba, your thoughts as far as the running game? Like Gurley, he had 20 touches or 20 rushes last week for 47 yards, obviously not efficient. Game script suggested he was going to get the ball a ton as well, too. They had that big lead, and he had several catches as well. But, like, and Detroit is a team you can run against. Again, yielding the DVOA, their 30th. Uh, and I also wanted to mention as far as the snap count, you guys talk about Peterson and Swift, you know, Peterson, 35%, Swift last week at 38%. Basically when it's been the entire season, more or less, we were talking about how, you know, off the buy, it might go up higher. And in theory, I you mean, know, he's the running back of the future. Uh, why not get him some more touches, get him some more looks. Is it too murky right now? I, I GPP darts for sure. Uh, what are we doing as far as the running backs here, Rebar? Well, like I said, I think you need to look at the way the
4: Falcons get points the back, because I think it actually favors Swift's role. In general, and then if he's going to keep getting, you know, a couple more carries, you know, here, you know, here and there, get involved in that and push double digit carries, because that was always a big rub, he was getting four carries a game, Uh, you know, you can't do anything with that, even as any running back, you know, know, you're not going to give a running back four carries and hope he gets 10 yards a carry uh, to do something tangible, it's just not, it's just not, you know, realistic. Um, I mean, I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I kind of blew over Gurley. I mean, I could, I guess it's, it's, it's definitely a spot when you look at Gurley cause he did hit in the Panther spot, which is kind of a very similar spot, you know, here at home, uh, against the defense that is in a, similarly as bad as Carolina's against the run. Uh, you know, I just look at Todd Gurley as a guy that I typically don't like to play just cause he's so touchdown dependent. I mean, you look at his two games without a touchdown this year, he's at 6.1 and 9.7 PPR points um i like my guys to have a little more higher floor without a touchdown so then when the touchdowns do come it means it's going to be they're going to go bonkers uh instead of needing a touchdown to just be good uh but he did hit in as that carolina spot which i think you know does give him a little more promise and you know, i kind of blew over them i will say this for, for a todd girly game this is objectively probably as good as it
2: looks yeah <laughs> But yeah, that's, that's, the, that's what you're putting on the back of the box. And you're not necessarily buying the DVD anyway, because you don't, you, don't want, you don't want to buy Todd Gurley. And I'm saying in the chat, I refuse to play Todd Gurley. Nobody wants to play Todd Gurley. Um, and I don't either. I, to make it clear, I was not trying to sell. I feel, really I feel pretty similarly. I feel pretty similarly. Yeah, <laughs> we, we can all agree with that. Uh, I
3: wonder if Calvin Ridley will go overlooked, though, because he's still been the wide receiver one, two and ten. And the three healthy games Julio Jones has, has started and played this year. So like Calvin Ridley is still a wide receiver one if Julio Jones pops. Uh, so I do, I do wonder like how if he'll go overlooked at all in this slate. And
4: the, and the last three games the Lions have played, they've allowed two opposing wide receivers to go and double-digit TPR points. Uh, so both guys are getting there. We had Hopkins and Isabella, uh, you know, three games ago, because remember they had a bye mix in. And then Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith both went off. And then Keelan Cole uh, last week, and then uh, Shark barely got over there. But he had 14 targets and like a gazillion air yards. Uh, wow that game was that game was rough I mean listen I mean we talked about that that the match with Minshew and we talked about when I was on Holka about the man zone splits with Minshew and they came to fruition I mean he struggled in that game
2: mm-hmm. all right so uh, the easy I mean look we, we like rebar I'm sure you like Galladay well what's to say Galladay's a really solid play here against Atlanta but here's the tricky question uh is Marvin Jones tossed uh, is he is he dust uh, I know he's questionable he's dealing with a he's, he just popped up on the uh, on the injury list today with a knee, assuming he's going to play. Who knows? We shall see we we'll are recording this. If you guys will watch this later on in the week, we we'll are recording this on a Wednesday night. So if you say something that information changes, the week is fluid. Now look at some ownership stuff or just kind of like projections. And if I reference something, it's from Wednesday night. So understand that's how the NFL week goes. It is fluid. Things are changing, especially uh, this season. Rebar assuming Jones is in, uh, look, in DFS, we live in the world of salary cap. And you're supposed to like buy the players when they're at their floor. Uh, everybody is worth a roster spot when they're theoretically cheap enough to justify it. I don't know how cheap Marvin Jones has to be, but like 4.4 K on DK historically is crazy cheap, but like he's been horrific this year. Is there any reason to be like have any kind of promise that he won't be horrific this week? Marvin Jones is living in the basement with Silva. He's not even at his floor. He's gone below. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? Is it over? It, no, I mean, just, listen,
3: I came, I
4: came for him last week. So, I mean, someone else is going to have to, you know, pick me off the ground uh, and carry me. The Falcons have a lot of league-high 29 completions of 20-plus yards. Uh, that's all I've got. Like, I caped for Jones last week. Someone's going to have to come and uh, carry the torch for me. This I mean, th-
3: so, so that's your play if you're not playing Swift, right? Because you want to play Galladay. So, uh, if, you, if you're looking for another player that would potentially outscore Swift – in these stacks that may go Stafford, Galladay, and Swift, you of course would have to go Marvin Jones. Uh, Just like Brandon Cooks, he's still out there running routes, 95% of the running routes on Stafford's dropbacks this year. The issue is that since Galladay's returned, he has a 10% target share. Uh, Whereas in the first two games, he had a 20% target share. So we're just not getting looks. So just like Swift last week, you're basically just hoping for a change in the offensive game plan. Uh, there is a little bit of squeaky wheel out there. OC Daryl Bevel came out and said that he understands the importance of keeping Marvin Jones involved. This assumes that Marvin Jones practiced and comes back on Sunday. But I would be more than happy in tournaments if you were stacking the Lions going Galladay and Marvin Jones, for sure, because I'm I, Rich is totally right. You can People are absolutely going to backdoor DeAndre Swift's fantasy points, no doubt about it. But I think Marvin Jones is a good way to leverage off of Swift.
2: Yeah, uh, that's how you win tournaments these days. Uh, you know, I, I, I imagine that uh, – I, I don't know what people are going to have as far as Swift because people are going to be looking at the, the fact that he wasn't going to – he was on the field a lot. Uh, obviously, he was spectacular when he was out there. Uh, good touchdown variance, and he broke off a pretty, good, pretty long one as well too. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious because I was running some stuff pre-show as far as at least the quote-unquote optimal lineup, but I don't really think he was popping it much. But, you know, some people like to chase as well, too. But also, it's a sharper field. People understand that not necessarily what happened last week is going to happen this week. And I'm I'm scrolling. I I ran 190 lineups, quote unquote, optimal lineups with 10% variance added. And he's in zero of them for what it's worth. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, on Uh, DK.
3: And I'll also say, like, there. I mean, we're about to move on here. There are a lot of plays this week. There are are so many plays this week. Like, I got anxiety building lineups this week because I was like, I can't even fit all these guys in,
2: so. You guys got anything else as far as this game? It sounds like you're done, Daigle. Anything else, Rebar?
4: No, no. I think we covered uh, mostly everything here.
2: All right, another game in the Dome, Carolina, New Orleans. New Orleans, 51 as far as the total. They're about an eight-point favorite as of this point. I just saw a note that they're going to allow, like, 3,000 fans in the Dome. So historically a tough place to play. I don't know how much noise that 3,000 people can make, but sure, there you go. Just kind of saw it before the show. And, uh, so how much does Michael Thomas coming back uh, hurt Kamara – and how much – how interesting are we assuming Michael Thomas is good to go? He was supposedly probably going to play last week if he didn't punch his teammate. Uh, so I, I imagine he's 100% and good to go. There's no more disciplinary stuff as well. So uh, Michael Thomas and Kamara, the two studs in New Orleans, uh, Diggle, you, you lead it off for us. I, I mean, so can you fit
3: both in a lineup – would you play both with Breeze in this game? And then who would you run it back with since the Panthers have a ton of options? Uh, these are the questions I keep going back to. And I would imagine, you can look it up on your end, Dean. Uh, I would imagine that it is Kamara, uh, clearly, who is still going to be, I'm going to guess, 20% more rostered than Michael Thomas. And that would lead me to want to play Thomas because I think he comes back with aplomb. Like nothing stopping him. I was looking to play him before the bye before he either got hurt again or punched. I don't know what happened. But either way, I wanted to play him before the bye. And so now after an extended rest, I'm looking to immediately get him back out there in what is a terrific matchup and one that may go down as controversial for this show because I actually chose it over Packers and Houston because I love it so much.
2: Yeah, uh, I just, here you go, on the fly, I pulled it up. Right now, uh, 8% Michael Thomas and oh that's, and that's 7.6. And this, again, this is optimal lineups as of Wednesday night, a little bit of variance added to it. Uh, and, you know, salary cap reasons uh, and 7.6 K by the way, this is DK specific as well. I don't know when the last time we saw Michael Thomas, at seven, six. That, that feels like a discount for sure. Uh, and Kamara is still probably too cheap, but again, just 10% he's popping up in because we keep alluding to it. It's a really, really good slate. There's a lot of good plays. Uh, you can only roster one. Who do you have for me? Uh, Rebar? Yeah, this, I mean,
4: it's it's the Panthers and running backs though. It's so hard. It's it's so hard for me to get away from it. So what, Carol? So what Carolina has done this year is that, is they're not a great defense, but like we thought they'd be like, you know, the the, the worst defense in the NFL. They're the youngest average, the uh, youngest average age per starter uh, in the league. Um, But they've just dropped back and decided, hey, we can't rush the passer. We're barely going to try to rush the passer. But they're just dropping back in zone and they're not giving up like any passing production, like almost hardly any passing production. Um, They are 31st in pressure rate in the NFL. But uh, they have a lot of league low 6.1 yards for pass attempt and a league low 9.1 yards for pass completion, Uh, which is crazy. Uh, There's dropping back playing shell coverage and making people throw and coming up and making tackles. Now that is conducive to Michael Thomas. Um, You know, definitely if if they're going to get a bunch of drop backs and just going to drop back in zone. That's what Michael Thomas does. Uh, You know, he'll be running them slants. He'll be (laughs) running, running them curls. Uh, He did, he was limited in practice with a hamstring injury today, which is uh, interesting uh, because he hasn't done anything uh, except for punch teammates. So, I mean, I don't know if you've heard his hamstring punching a teammate, Um, but something to keep an eye on too, as well with him coming back, it seems like everything, just something keeps happening for the Michael Thomas return. Um, But we know we still want to play running backs against Carolina, man. It's, it's just tried and true. They can't stop the run. Um, you know, they even, uh, you know, the, the Bears offensive line tried to make that as interesting as possible. I think with David Montgomery, uh, he still had almost 100 total yards from scrimmage in that game. So like if transitive property is 96 yards for David Montgomery, I'm going to assume it's like 345 yards for Alvin Kamara. So uh, <laughs> no, but I he, mean, he some of his rate stats have to come down. So he has 30% of the New Orleans receptions. The next yeah. closest running back in reception share is Mike Mike Davis, I'm sorry, at 21%. So, like, there there just has to be some of his gaudy, like, usage stats have to come down. Uh, but the matchup is beautiful. He still has 17 to 22 touches in every game. I think that's a, you know, 17-touch, like, you know, areas against Carolina is going to probably get you your price tag in this one. Um it's. I mean, I'm not going to talk myself off any running back for Carolina, but I mean, like I said, the, the the Panthers' approach to defense this year has been intriguing to say the least. But they have allowed uh, at least seven receptions to four wide receiver ones they have faced this season. If you're looking for like a reception floor to build off of,
3: just like. Uh, getting off DeAndre Swift for the Lions passing game, it is this game. Like, first of all, how do you get off Kamara? And then if you do, you clearly have to do it with Michael Thomas. But then also we're in that choice. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but we're in that choice with the Packers as well. Like, how do you get off Aaron Rodgers against a team that just let Derrick Henry do whatever he wanted and then get on that passing game? But you can't do it with every team this week. It is just This Mm -hmm. is one of the puzzle pieces of this slate that makes it so interesting because there are so many ways to go to try and get, get an edge over the field.
2: Yeah. So one of my approaches last week was I thought like, maybe I have one Minnesota Viking in every single team. Like I felt they're going to score a bunch of points and you know, it's going to be, if not this guy, it's going to be that guy. Of course that didn't work out unless you had the, uh, unless you had Jefferson, but maybe you play uh, Kamara or Thomas. on like, you know, one of them, at least one of them on every team. Just, you know Of course they both can go off as well too, but they're going to score 30 points. And you, I feel fairly confident that one of them is going to have a pretty big game. Uh, as far as breeze, like, I had this personal hang-up against quarterbacks don't have legs. I know last week we finally saw it with Matt Ryan, he's you know there's other ways to getting there you can just throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns and that's another way of getting there but then you know breeze has not been spectacular this year he has no legs at all and also he gets booted off the field plenty of times especially inside the you know goal line 10 20 you know and you know good spots to be on the field with the hill coming in and he gets his touchdown siphoned. i will say it's kind of sort of baked in though because we haven't seen this in a long time i feel breeze is like the 15th most expensive quarterback and he used to be a guy that was like currently top five, top six, top seven, as far as price. So yeah, sure. He's interesting. You guys mentioned Breeze. Is anybody excited about playing Breeze? Like it's fine. I'm not excited though. Does, Should I be excited? Doesn't he
3: project to be chalk right now? Like, isn't his ownership quite high?
2: I can pull that up. Yes, uh, please. Again. Uh, Not the ownership again. I guess I could just pull up what we have as far as uh, the optimal lineups, which you know, there is some correlation to that. The Sean Watson, fifty-one percent, and then Kyler Murray. Yeah, I would be
4: surprised with the the game we still have left. The quarterbacks in that game, then the Watson Rogers, uh, and then we got Ryan. Still, I think will be popular. I would be surprised. I would be surprised if he's real popular uh, because he hasn't been good either. I mean, he hasn't been he hasn't been
3: that 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 strong either. be. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. no. I was gonna I was gonna flip it really quick because I was gonna say I do like the other side of the ball for the price. Because that's how you get Kamara and Thomas in in a good run back spot. Because Teddy Bridgewater is in a absolute eruption spot here. And what I love is the flop lag since he was in a disastrous game last week against the Bears that we thought he would likely fail in. And now he's in a spot that the Saints deep uh, secondary has allowed 13 touchdowns to one pick over the last four games. And everyone says, oh, like Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Janoris Jenkins weren't available. Okay, well, Lattimore was in three of those four games, and Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers went over eight yards per attempt, and Justin Herbert flipped the field every time he threw the ball for four touchdowns. And now Bridgewater's in that spot with Robbie Anderson and D.J. Moore who are also coming off somewhat disappointing games. And they're all cheap now as well because the Saints defense is still getting far too much credit, both in betting markets and DFS. So, like, I I just love a a stack here with both wide receivers. Bridgewater's only 5,800 on DraftKings, and then you can decide what to do with Thomas and Kamara. Your thoughts, Rebar? Yeah, I mean, you look at the
4: Saints' defense, they've been awful the entire season. Uh, Marshall Latimer, when he's played has been bad, even when he's, when he's been, when he's been on the field, he's been giving up receptions left and right to players, uh, so far this season. And, you know, last year he didn't play. I mean, yeah, so he's allowed what 15 of 19 targets to be completed in his coverage so far for 254 yards and three touchdowns. So it's not like he's out here, like they're all Revis and he's a guy we need to really be like discounting, you know, players for as well. And especially in tournament games anyways, at that, um, because, you know, we're probably not going to circle a lot of these guys. is you know, guys are going to jam in and cash, uh, although they've been reliable guys. I mean, Robbie Anderson, even Robbie Anderson, his worst game of the season, and he's had four catches for 77 yards. Uh, he's just had such a high floor, and he only has one touchdown on the year. Uh, you know, he's kind of like the you know, DJ Moore from last year, he's getting all these catches and yards, so he can't get him in the box. Uh, DJ Moore on the flip side has really started to get just like a ton. Ta- he's back at, like the targets have started to find him again in the past two weeks. Uh, you know, last week he had uh, a season high, 38% of the team targets. He had a ton of deep targets. He put some balls on the ground, but like, who cares about that? Um, and the one, like the last play of the game, like Bridgewater should, I mean, you can't miss that throw. Uh and, you know, last time he played the Saints, he had, you know, 126 and two touchdowns uh, in that game. I mean, Lattimore didn't play. You can point to that. But, I mean, these are – we know where the ball goes here. It goes to these two guys and Mike Davis. Like, it's really easy to understand if we run or run a stack with the Panthers, uh, you know, we can. We can stack these guys. We can put both together. Uh, every quarterback has hit against the Saints so far. They've they've allowed 20 or more fantasy points to every guy they faced. Uh, so, you've got something to build off of there. Teddy's been running a little bit more, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Uh, this year, so he has been using his legs a little bit. Um, two of the past weeks, he's rushed for 32 yards and a touchdown, 48 yards last week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the Panther side is really intriguing. I believe that they will probably go overlook just because there's so much other... Sex on the slate that people are going to want to look to play a lot of other guys whereas these guys have just been kind of out here getting targets every week getting air yards every week uh and being productive but uh they're just going to kind of fly by this week just because there are a lot of other games people are going to want to circle other than this one i think
3: and that's the question for me uh as we ask every week uh, can bridgewater match kyler russ uh rogers watson um i I genuinely think he can but i also have different spins on those games and others so uh, I, I like that offense as a whole
2: this week. I just want to clarify, but before I was talking about Deshaun Watson being fifty-one percent. That's an optimal lineup. He's clearly not going to be fifty-one percent in lineups, just so people understand. I see people talking about in the chat. Uh, also in the chat, they're asking about Lattimore Is he a shutdown corner still? Is he somebody we're afraid of? And if we are to some degree, and like I, I, always think the quarterback receiver stuff is probably a little too noisy. You try to react overreact too much, especially when it comes to tournaments. Uh, who would he be guarding? Is there somebody that we he would be locking on, or just kind of would rotate throughout the game? So uh, Panthers,
3: this is a Joe Brady thing. They, they treat their receivers as tertiary players. They literally move them all across the field. Mm-hmm. They teach their players to be receivers, not to be X, Y, and Z receivers, which is why Joe Brady is a coach next year as well. Um, also, you know, two things when you turn to the pick six show. One, we're not going to talk about wine that hasn't been placed in the fridge already. And <laughs> two, we don't care about the cornerback matchups really. So. <laughs> Just to just to be honest with you. And also Lattimore, still obviously a tremendous player, but 15 catches allowed on 19 targets this year. Um, Not too worried about him. I understand the Saints defense has a history of doing this, starting out very slow. And they still have Davenport. They still have Lattimore. They still have talent in that unit. But so far, they have shown below nothing. They have been abysmal. And so that's why I still want to continue attacking them in this moment.
2: Rebar, what do you have for me as far as Mike Davis, uh, his worst, you know, his worst game last time out kind of got bailed out by a touchdown. His game still wasn't good, but like he, uh, he salvaged, I suppose. Uh, not a ton of touches. Well, actually, you know, did 20 still. Yeah. Yeah. 20 touches yeah. still. I guess we've been yeah. spoiled by the 26 and 20, whatever it is, but uh, yeah, the price went down, you know, sure. I'd imagine he's still going to be fine and we're working on the assumption again, that CMC is going to be out. I assume he's going to be out another week. We yeah. shall see uh, yeah. your thoughts as far as Davis. Yeah, I mean the touches are still
4: here. I mean we th- we got spoiled on the receptions and the receptions evaporated because that's where he was making his money. I mean he wasn't a guy coming out and rushing for 120 yards. we were getting the dual, you know, the dual usage from him, and then you're stacking the reception points, obviously on a site like DK, and that's what was getting him over. We lost the catches last week, which is what did us in. We had the 20, tu- we had the 20 touches, but uh, you know he's you know he's he's what he's rushed for. He had the one good game. he what is, he hasn't even rushed for 100 yards yet in any of the games right he's 89 was his high something like that and then so, he's getting yeah. the dual so that's what so that's what hurt us last week uh with mike davis but uh the saints are another team that are tough to run on i mean another one of these matchups i mean 3.6 yards for carry to running backs that's sixth in the nfl uh i've been talking about the Samaj P. ryan stats for about three years in the show it's still <laughs> still holding steady we're still holding steady so we just need those receptions to come back and find him um they're middle of the pack. The Saints uh, in receptions allowed to wide receivers uh, receiving points. Um, so if those receptions come back, then he's still a guy to kind of go back and circle to, because people probably won't be on him after, you know, he ran into that Bears defense last week. The Bears are, are like, they shut passing games down. Uh, the Bears haven't allowed more than two passing or more than one passing touchdown a game this season. And they haven't allowed more than two passing touchdowns now in 32 straight games. Uh, it's just one of these things man like they just mush quarterback production and the, the, the Bears play awfully slow and terrible on offense they get you into these terrible games that ruin everybody and it's kind of what happened in that game last week uh, whereas the Saints are the opposite uh, you know the Saints will you know kind of force some scoring uh, even the Saints have even played really good this year and they're still you know you know scoring points and forcing them they're, they're 30 they're, they're averaging 30 points per game and like i feel like we haven't even seen the saints offense play good i feel like everyone's talking about how bad breeze has been uh all season long you know it's kind of been the
2: narrative and they're still they're averaging 31 points per game yeah he had one of those uh, national tv <laughs> games where he had sort of a noodle arm and i think it kind of like uh, accentuates that in a know? game that they got
4: in a game they couldn't get off the field against Derek carr like once again <laughs> the narrative that breeze's arm was masking the narrative that the saints defense couldn't stop anybody
2: yeah, fair enough. Uh, and we got the
3: Benny, Benny Snale, Bob Tanyan, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Uh, island games have been
2: have been treated players unfairly this year. <laughs> well, that's how <laughs> it is, though. And if you're great, you're, yeah, you're yeah, that yeah. much you're, you're raised up to, uh, probably uh, you know too much as well. Also, it just kinda goes both ways. Gonna talk Seattle, Arizona in a second. I do want to mention the roto uh the FanDuel single entry series, it went well last week. Well, not for me, not for your boy. I, I, I donated. Whoever won, congratulations. Uh, thankfully. You know, it, it only gives a, it's well, it's a regular single entry contest at three different levels, $5, 33 and a hundred. I love playing in single, single entry contest. I will be back this week. Uh, hopefully I will cash or at least not be completely miserable. And then the bottom 10%, whatever it was, it was a disaster. Did not going well for your boy, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, so how that works is there's added value. Uh, the top four scores from now to week 13, obviously, if you play every single week, you better chance of accumulating four tops, you know, uh four really, really strong scores at each level you get, you advance to a contest that offers $20,000 uh, at the end of the year, I think week 14, week 15, something like that. When it's all said and done after week 13, but again, uh, I'm playing these contests anyway. It's a good contest. One of the best contests out there in all of DFS and there's added value, different uh, buy-in tierings as well. $5, $33, $100. Hopefully we'll make it happen this week. we we'll go ahead and check out. There's a, probably gonna be a link dropped in chat. If you guys are not aware of that, how that works. The uh, Rotor Runners f- uh, FanDuel single entry series as well. Uh, another link dropping in a chat for you guys. Devin working the uh, multitasking producer there. We much appreciate him uh, staying up late for us tonight. Get $5 off your first month of RG Premium. Check out that link. Uh, your core four Premium at Roto Grinders. Get 5 bucks off if you lose, use that link. All right, this is the main course. There's a lot of appealing games in this slate, but Seattle and Arizona, uh, Rebar, open this one up. This one is super, super exciting. We should expect a, a very fast pace, especially the way Arizona plays. Uh, as far as the total as far as uh, the favorite we have 56 uh, is the total in this game high and tight once again Seattle three-point favorite in Arizona uh, this should be a lot not just fun from DFS but just a fun game to watch for football people uh, we're excited right
4: yeah yeah big division matchup you know good two two quarterbacks that are you know started there really hot at least from a fantasy stance <laughs> Um, And it's two teams that have been, you know, really good at scoring touchdowns and especially in the red zone. I mean, this is the number one and two teams in in red zone success rate uh, in the NFL. And we've even seen last week, I mean, uh, against the Cowboys, you know, Cliff kept his foot on the gas and, you know, they're going for fourth downs in the red zone. They want to score touchdowns. And that was something he didn't do last year as a head coach. Uh, so we love to see him kind of learn from his errors as a rookie head coach. And they're about scoring touchdowns uh, this season. And anytime they need a play in short yardage, they are just going to Kyler and his legs uh, any time that they need, like, a short yardage play. Um, he's been so great. And it's really cool, like, to watch, like, the, the difference of Kyler rushing versus, like, a guy like Lamar who's just, like, you know – Lamar is just – you know, a different kind of breed of like a runner. You know, he's he's a runner like th- that we've never seen at the quarterback position. But Kyler is just like this, you know, this little jitterbug. Like he doesn't like really shed tackles. You said, but like it seems like no one can catch him. Like it's he does like this little high step and, and like no one no one touches him it's crazy like he outran Jalen Smith on a on a play on that Monday night game and it's just it's just wild and I love how he just always gives himself up and people freak out you know he he does <laughs> like a little baseball slide um but Kyler from a passing stance has just been kind of yeah and we've been talking about this for about two years running he just hasn't been like he hasn't hit, hit hit as a passer the way we want and he's 17th at the position in passing points per game 14.6 even against the Cowboys. He was nine of twenty four passing in that game, complete thirty eight percent of his passes against the Cowboys. But the rushing continues to get him there. Um, two the plays against- was like
2: two plays, like one hundred fifty yards or something like that, or one hundred forty yards. You think there's yeah? He away. connected.
4: He, he connected on the long ball, and that's what we're going to need to have happen here again because Seattle's thirtieth in defending the deep ball, throws over fifteen yards to further downfield. Kyler is 29th in the NFL. Uh, completing 11 of 36 of those passes, 31%. Uh, He did hit the one for us last week. Um, But that's where Seattle's beat. They get beat over the top. And inversely, Arizona's number one on those throws. And Russell Wilson is the best quarterback on deep throws. Uh, He leads the league with eight passing touchdowns on those throws. So it's a kind of a, a great yin and yang kind of matchup. Uh, to kind of see here because, you know, Arizona is good against the deep ball and Russ is awesome. Kyler has not been great. And that's where you want to beat Seattle. Uh, but this is going to be a game that uh, kind of, I feel like these quarterbacks could be like deciding like if this could be what gets it right uh, between this and then maybe the Packers and, you know, between Rodgers and Watson um, the, the right kind of stack that you build around this games. You, I mean, the way Kyler's playing, the play might just be to play Kyler with the Seattle receivers.
2: <laughs> well he's basically a running back kind of sort of somewhat he's got he's like, what six or seven rushing touchdowns this year uh you know so he's he's making it work I think he's what he's in the top I was looking at the leaders today and that's kind of you know kind of like uh, you know every single a week or two where I kind of like look and see who the leaders in the league and what's kind of jumping out to me it's like sort of weird Jameson Crowder is like the third averaging the third most like receiving yards per game which like wow that's interesting just a random stat for you I'm sure you guys are you guys know this um but yeah Murray's got what he's in the top five as far as rushing touchdowns this year but like you said, he's not been particularly accurate. But Seattle is yielding so many fantasy points. And this is kind of tied to receivers, uh, Daigle. I, I'm pulling up here, DraftKings specific as far as teams, how much how many points they yield to receivers. And I, I understand this stuff is noisy to some degree. But Seattle has yielded 59.9 fantasy points per week to receivers. The team that is second worst, second worst Minnesota, is yielding 47 Twelve more fantasy points than the second worst team as far as receiving uh, yielding uh, DK points to uh, receivers collectively. I guess we like we have to like Hopkins. Yes,
3: I mean only Washington and the Bills have targeted their wide receivers at a higher rate than the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Uh, they don't use the tight end whatsoever. They use one running back, not Kenyon Drake. And so, where else do they go? Of course, it is only Hopkins, Kirk to a to a lesser extent. Although the past two weeks, it's been more involved. And then Andy Isabella has become Christian Kirk essentially ever since Kirk came back from injury, and they are slow. They are finally starting to use Kirk more. A seventeen percent target share since he has returned. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we're going. Also, Seattle's defense has allowed the fourth most rushing fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, which, and that's why it makes it very hard to get off Kyler in this spot. And although, like, of course you would want to stack him with DeAndre. Yeah, like since we know he's going to use his legs. It almost makes sense to roster him naked and then run it back with Seattle receiver, uh, and then go to the other games to get exposure as well. Again, a really tough
2: slate, man, because we want to play everyone. Uh, Metcalf or Lockett, you have a preference, Rebar?
4: I mean, I mean, DK is like a my siren song. Like he's like <laughs> the the a dying breed of the the big, you know. Physical wide receiver, uh, those, those are the guys that I love. They, they, not a lot of those guys are coming in the league anymore. The game has kind of changed. We haven't had a surplus of those guys. we got basically him and A.J. Brown, uh, who were on the same college team, amazingly, and that team was bad. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how that, that was possible. But uh, <laughs> Jordan but please explain yourself. Uh, but DK has now found the end zone in seven of his past ten games Going into bat, or, or going into last season. He's just being used more creatively last year. He's just really coming alive um There's just not a lot of guys built like him. He's, but if you look at the like we ta- I hinted upon about Arizona being good against the deep ball so far this year, if you look at the receivers that have done well against the Cardinals so far, it is these kind of in, guys that do operate in the interior, uh, do get a lot of like more higher efficient targets, even though Russell Wilson's all his targets are efficient. Uh, you know, Terry McLaurin, Jamison Crowder, Robbie Anderson, Amari Cooper, CD lamb, all those guys had seven or more catches against Arizona. Um, that kind of would kind of be more of a signal to like a tyler lockett um who does also get deep targets too but you know he's running the slot 60 percent of the time as well and getting some efficient targets um and lockett was a guy who started the year on fire he had eight or more targets in his first three games was the first time in his career he had ever had eight or more targets uh in three straight games and then he's just done nothing since you know he's nine targets the last two times he played um kind of gone away we've done this with lockett before though he goes through these stretches where he'll get four targets he'll get three targets and then kind of come back and when he does hit he tends to hit in a big way like we've seen against dallas or if you go back to last year when like he had that huge game against the box and you know kind of you know kind of float his line so a lot of people have been let down by Lockett. I would assume that Metcalf's going to be more popular. So maybe that's just the leverage pool. And if you look at the kind of receivers that have a success against Arizona, it would signal that Lockett would fit that mold. So maybe it's a week to kind of go back to Lockett of the two. I mean, I don't think either one of them are bad plays though. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. And we don't, you know, it's cool about Seattle is we don't really have to worry about anyone else. Like David Moore might catch a random touchdown, but it's not like he's going to come out and get eight targets.
2: So I'm going to blow your mind here. Again, this is Wednesday night. This is optimal lineups and everything changes is a, a flow throughout the week. But uh, again, through a hundred, I, I ran 190 lineups on DK optimal lineups. Lockett landed in 64%. DK Metcalf in 4% and Hopkins in 2%. <laughs> just, you know, it's kind of weird, right? I mean, obviously things will change to some degree, but uh, that's just weird that that's, that's what we're popping out here. I, I could see myself. Going Lockett over DK in this
3: scenario, especially knowing the ownership that DK will come in with after a season-high 36% target share, 37%, and the last game before the bye, um, having said that, it just, it just hurts even more than just losing in your lineups whenever the other one goes off, because they go off in such big ways. Like I had DK against the Cowboys, and just watching Lockett pile on the points, it just, it just hurts your heart, man.
2: So can Carson can ruin our fun? Nobody wants to play Carson he's, he seems like a really really strong leverage play here and then you know we have Drake on the other side at 4.8K and you know he obviously broke out he broke out on national TV you know padded to some degree by the fact he's facing Dallas and also by the fact he busted off a 69 yarder and you know in garbage time or nobody's even playing at that point uh, that should have been Edmonds, but yeah you know, that's <laughs> <it's> all right <laughs> I'm not too bitter or angry about that so we'll move forward uh what are we doing as far as he's running backs anybody have any strong takes that drake price is you know pretty appealing at four eight uh, i don't know how good drake is but if opportunity in volume is what matters the most as opposed to talent uh i know it's a whole argument people like to have in dfs just i want the guy that's on the field more than anything else i don't care how talented your guy is he's not in the field doesn't matter uh daigle what do you have for me uh, thoughts as far as he's running backs Kenyon Drake has been on the field, and that
3: hasn't changed once yet. I know we keep hoping it does, and I understand Chase Edmonds has been the better player outside of the one final carry that Drake had last week. But (laughs) Drake still handled 77% of the team's backfield touches. Uh, Chase Edmonds handled a season or matched his – he had five touches in one game. He's had six touches in two other games, including the Cowboys game. So, like, his role really hasn't increased at all. He's still just the – not even the one be back. He is the reserve getting sprinkled in. So if you want the player on the field, it would be Drake. However, I still wouldn't want to play him, especially off a game like that against Dallas, who had basically laid down at that point.
2: Rebar?
4: Yeah, pretty similar. It's, it's tough to fall in love with either of these guys. More easier, I guess, for Carson, just because I think, you know, subjectively, he's the better player. <laughs> um, but you look at Carson, I mean, he's kind of living off these touchdowns too. He's just 22nd among all running backs in touches per game. Uh, he's 19th in yardage per game, um, but he's got, he's got a lot of touchdown equity, uh, which has kind of floated him. So, I mean, he has a pivot for touchdowns, but, it's I mean, he's not a guy, too, that it, it typically is going to get you to, like, a 30. Um, the touchdowns are going to kind of get you to more like the, the, the 20s uh, unless you get multiple touchdowns um, in the game. So, I mean, it's one of those spots. I think it's really hard, uh, especially when you look at the running backs that are, gonna, are available on the slate to kind of say, I mean, and, unless you're building a game block here. I think it's really hard to want to really play either of these guys uh, because we're going to try to mix and match uh, the passing games in kind of a Rubik's Cube way where we try to cover our bases in different types of stacks while keeping our ownership percentages in line where we want them. Uh, But trying to cross-reference this game uh, the proper ways and make sure we cover our bases, uh, depending on who could go off here. Um, So I think it's really hard uh, outside of game blocks. Um, And like I said, if you could even get – I mean, all these guys are expensive too. So, I mean, mean, Drake isn't. um, But, like, everyone in this game is expensive. So it is also a hard game block to also want to try to to build uh, just because everyone is expensive. You might have to do just small stacks around other games uh, instead of block this one because I don't know how you do it without having to go to Kirk or Isabella as a flyer um, I, or anyone else I don't know who else we could even consider Craig Olson probably not
3: <laughs> and in terms of Carson uh, remember like Carlos I should be back after the bye and he got seven touches in the first two games well uh, total or seven touches in both games whenever he was healthy with Chris Carson so that's kind of a little bit of worry as well
2: Going to be talking about some of our favorite players position by position in just a second that we've not talked about in these games. Before we do that, want to remind you that autumn is in the air and Manscaped is here to ensure you don't carve your pumpkins when you're grooming. By pumpkins, Ooh. we actually mean, yeah, we mean your boys. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. <laughs> Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your balls. And great news, they just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia uh, Australia, if you guys are watching us there, say hello. I, was, I don't know how if we stretch out to the, to Canada. Well, Canada probably. Yes, UK, Australia, not really sure. Uh, I got to say, I, I have not used the Manscaped just yet, but I was uh, just earlier today. I was listening to the OG podcast with uh, Noto and Chop and Beer Makers fan. All three of them uh, are users and all three of them are raving about it. Uh, maybe there's a correlation. They're all married and I'm not. We can move on from that, but they they thoroughly enjoyed their products. Let's not forget about – it's the best trimmer, not just for uh, one thing, but for your butt, your balls, and your body, all three. The Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents that would be brutal. I thankfully have no history of that, but that would be absolutely a disaster. Uh, their new weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer uses the same skin-safe technology when you're trimming those delicate nose hairs of yours. The Crop Care Kit includes the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. That's the specifically they're raving about. That for the record, check out the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Everyone knows pumpkin spice lattes and ball deodorant go hand in hand. Also included is the crop cleanser body wash. (laughs) Everyone knows that. What what was that? Everyone knows that pumpkin spice
3: lattes and the cropper go hand in hand. I agree. Sure. I mean, that's common knowledge. (laughs) And and I I fully support the Manscaped products. I've used them in the past. The only issue is if I tried using it over Silva's toilet, he would do more with a wine bottle than just put it in the fridge. So (laughs) avoiding that situation. Yes, I agree. Everyone should go get Manscaped.
2: (laughs) The crop cleanser body wash. It's a full body wash that you can also use on your hair. So yeah, uh, the crop mop ball wipes. I, I have not, I have no experience, but that sounds intriguing for sure. You never know when an opportunity strikes as you should always be prepared. Plus you don't want to stink when you sit around that Thanksgiving dinner. If you suffer, some of us, I don't, I'm not going to fess up. I don't think it's me. Some of us suffer from, from stank foot. Uh, I think that's the tactical term or stand on your feet all day. uh, Then I have a product for you. It's called the foot duster. Uh, It's a foot deodorant. It's also, that's a free gift. I'll be throwing that in as well for you guys. The cooling tea tree oil offers a pleasant experience, but the stankiest of feet uh, that allow you to take your shoes off with confidence. The manscaped refined cologne is a cost-effective way to smell clean and fresh for your presumed dates. The cop, uh, the Crop customer. Well, look at me. I'm just all with place. I'm so excited I, about this product. This is quite a meal of a read here. <laughs> I, I, didn't realize a hygiene, I didn't
3: realize the hygiene market was this impactful. <laughs> Maybe I'm in the wrong business.
4: But who wrote this? Like, I mean, what, what poet did they get out of the grave to come like
3: to write
2: this? <laughs> this is Poe, I believe. Uh, the <laughs> cleanser hair and body wash was designed with aloe vera and sea salt to leave your skin clean, fresh, moisturized and reinvigorated. Uh it's also worth noting these formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free and paraben-free so you know your manhood is in good hands. Now, you guys want this product for sure. Uh get 20% off and plus uh, not just that, free shipping go to manscaped.com use the code ROTO that's R O T O. Once again, 20% off, free shipping at manscaped with code ROTO. Make your balls a priority this fall. With that, seamless segue, rebate, uh, rebar. What's a segment, not a segue. (laughs) 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 The chat's having fun with that one too. There's some people in the chat fessing up. They have some stank feet. It's all right. You know, it happens. Hit up Manscaped. They'll they'll take care of you guys. Uh, Seamless segue to the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks we've not not yet discussed. Actually, uh, Dago, I know you want to talk about specifically, I guess this makes sense, the Houston game, because Houston versus Green Bay, that should be a lot of fun. It was hard picking just three games. Uh, Start with the quarterbacks there. I mean, Aaron Rodgers in a tremendous spot,
3: flop lag, as we've talked about with other quarterbacks like Stafford. And everyone is, of course, going to want to play Aaron Jones since the Texans have allowed 25 more fantasy points to opposing running backs, especially after last week to Derrick Henry than any other team. So that should lead us to want to play the Packers or Devontae Adams through the air. But again, those, those players are very expensive, and the Seattle-Arizona game is expensive. So it's not really about the matchup, although the matchup is great for both teams. Uh, it's more about just game theory with this one. Like, how do we fit this one in? Because this slate is essentially four games, uh, and this is one of them.
2: Yeah, uh, your, your thoughts here, Rebar, as far as the quarterbacks. So any quarterbacks you want, but Aaron Rodgers, who had a rough game last week, well-positioned to go off once again. and. As of right now, he's not somebody that lands in quote unquote optimal lineups uh, for sure. Watson is, is landing it at six point eight k on DK, pretty solid price. Two hundred dollars less than Rodgers. Your thoughts as far as those quarterbacks? And if you want to give a broad thought as far as that game, feel free.
4: Yeah, I mean Rodgers is kind of you know after what happened last week, he's kind of back. We thought he was fully back as like the twenty fourteen version of Aaron Rodgers and 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 younger. But uh, you remember last year, all he had a few big games. And they came in just cherry matchups, and now we have to question: is that, you know, still the the hangup with Aaron Rodgers? Is he going to be able to take? To- to hit for us and he has tougher matchups well he doesn't have one this week and he's facing a team that doesn't rush the passer uh, which will help especially if David Bakhtiari doesn't play in this game uh, Houston is 28th in the league in pressure rate the Packers don't rush the passer at all either so both sides here uh, should be able to have a lot of uh, fun through the air because they're not gonna neither team generates a ton of pressure uh, although Houston does give up a lot of sacks because Watson works himself into a, a handful of sacks uh, just the way he tries to extend plays and uh You know, th- does some weird things in the pocket sometimes too. A little, a little too much that runs him into some trouble. But yeah, may- maybe it's a situation it's reversed from week two when week two everyone wanted to play the Packers passing game and the pivot was Aaron Jones against the Lions. Maybe it's everyone's Aaron Jones and the pivot it will be the passing game this week. um We will see. I mean, Aaron Jones has scored a touchdown in seven consecutive games and ten of his past eleven games dating back to last year. It's gonna be real hard to move off of him in that matchup. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, I, I mean, we've talked about so many quarterbacks already that are in good spots. That uh, in the, in the last two weeks, uh, Josh Allen has played so bad. But Josh Allen is in a tremendous mm-hmm. spot again against a, a team that has kind of objectively quit on playing football this year <laughs> uh, in the New York Jets. Um, yeah. I even thought that the spread would be higher. Uh, it might, maybe, it gets there too. I mean, I, I think right now there's there's. I'm trying to think what the amount of points I would not lay against the new york jets right now uh, they haven't covered in any game they haven't come close uh the, the denver game was the closest they came uh, and that was against brett ripian who gave them like 14 points at the end of the game uh, but josh allen but good circling back here uh di- i digress uh, josh Allen, good spot he had 21 passing points in week one against this jets defense while adding 57 rushing yards uh he's been down the last two weeks but i still do believe that the bills functionality wise, understand like how to play good offense, pre-snap motion, using play action, throwing on first downs, using a lot of 10 personnel, all those things still exist. Josh Allen just hasn't particularly played well. And we can give him a semi hall pass for the, you know, playing in the rain, you know, last week or whatever. As much as you want to give him, I'm at least going to make it as much narrative as I can to talk myself back into playing him this week. Uh, Cause it's a good matchup for Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs is in a good spot. The Jets are the worst team in uh, defending the deep ball. Uh, Josh Allen has completed 63% of his deep passes. Uh, that's third in the league. Stephon Diggs has caught 10 of his 12 deep targets this season. Seems like a really easy stack to just go back to. Uh, that's been really good for us you know, all year outside of last week. And Diggs still got in the box.
3: Especially because you already mentioned it, Dean, like uh, Jameson Crowder is the only guy continuing to support himself mm-hmm. in yeah. the Jets offense. So it's the easiest run back because that is the concern here. Although I love – like he's the first quarterback I wrote down um, because – Like, it takes the Jets perhaps sticking around. Yes, the Bills, the first four games, they had a 63% pass rate and neutral game script. Whereas these past two games, it has dropped to 47%, but they played tougher offenses. They were trying to keep Derrick Henry, Tannehill, Patrick Mahomes off the field. So that makes sense that it was their game plan. And so perhaps they still throw more if it gets out of hand, but I think we do need a little bit of juice for the Jets here. And if Darnold comes back and we know he loves uh, Jameson Crowder, like that's the one player you run back any Bills
2: stack with. Yeah, that's kind of the push-pull of, like, you want a good matchup, but sometimes the matchup this is almost, like, too good because the Jets don't have enough oomph <laughs> to keep up. And maybe you're going to get, like, two and a half, three quarters out of Allen, like, throwing the ball, and that might be enough. But also, it's not like it's baked into the price that you might only get three quarters. He's the second most expensive quarterback. But, like, we've seen, he's got a great ceiling. Uh, he's got legs as well, too, if the Jets can somehow, you know, stay in this game. And, like, I don't feel comfortable, like, saying the Jets are going to stay within 13 or 14, whatever that number is. Uh okay. And yeah, that's
3: that's the difference between like him and Aaron Rodgers. Like Josh Allen has the rushing juice. Rodgers is the fifth highest priced quarterback on DraftKings and offers nothing with his legs. So of course Josh Allen can
1: match
2: Russ and Kyler and all these other guys. He offers them the McRingleberry though, the the key, the key and feel. Is that worth any fantasy points? It should be. That was amazing. I thought, I thought that was another Manscaped product.
4: Uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was it was it uh, was it was frustrating to see how many people like didn't uh, didn't get the reference either. You know, people. Troy Aikman,
2: Adam <laughs> Levitan, just. All the olds in my life. Now Troy Aikman getting that reference like minus 10,000 in Vegas. Come on. There was no chance he was going to get that reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the
4: tweets, though, and I was like, this is disappointing for our society here. Society. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, it's. I thought it was – I was watching it live, and, like, how did you not enjoy that? That was amazing. Uh, so much better than discount double check. After that, it was all downhill there for, for Green Bay. Oh, yeah. Uh, we kind of mentioned Watson in passing. I, I mean, I think he's really, really uh, a solid play. Oh, Well-positioned yeah. as far as his price, too. We talked about how he's popping in optimals, too. I uh, can't talk about it. Everybody obviously got to move on the running backs. Unless anybody else wants to sell a quarterback, we can talk about some RBs. Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, you, you could start off, start us off there. What do you have for us?
4: Well, you tend upon upon Aaron Jones. Uh, we've got, what, a Kareem Hunt in a fantastic spot, you know, uh, he's got what 23 touches, and then he had only had 15 touches last week in that tough Steelers game. He got a little nicked up at the end of that game. But those two teams that he faced, the Colts and the Steelers, are second and fifth in yards per carry. Lots of backfields. He's getting a Bengals team that is 29, 5.2 yards per carry. They lost DJ Reader, Carlos Dunlap, and Geno Atkins. Sat out today after talking about they weren't happy with their roles and just didn't practice for personal reasons. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, there they are allowing 16 rushing points per game to backfields. It's 21st in the league. The last time these two teams played, which is the prime time, the Browns ran for 210 yards uh, and three touchdowns in that game. Hunt had 100 yards himself. Uh, the Bengals are allowing explosive runs at a second highest rate in the league behind the Texans. So hunts price really hasn't skyrocketed because he's had two tougher matchups in his games, you know, playing uh, in the, in the wake of, you know, Nick Chubb's injury. So I still think he has a lot more upside than he's shown uh, the, the past two weeks. And then uh, listen, I'm going to keep playing Antonio Gibson to the point mm. I can say I was early, even though I was, I'm still really late because mm. I just keep trying to get this through in tournaments. Um, But we saw it with Kenyon Drake last week. We saw it with the Cowboys all year. Uh, 20.6 rushing points per game they're allowing. They're allowing 4.9 yards per carry to opposing backfields. The – Rush the receiving role is starting to get a little bit going, even though McKissick is still playing in third downs and in catch up mode. But maybe this is a game Washington can just hang around a little bit on the scoreboard because Dallas is off is coming in with Zach Martin doesn't play this game. This is the worst offensive line of football, and at least Washington has a good defensive front. Like, there could be at least a neutral game script for Washington here, a team that has not had a lot of neutral game script. Um. So I listen. I'm just going to keep trotting Antonio Gibson out there and trying to see if I could catch an early an early run for one big
3: game. Gibson good also because Terry McLaurin's going to be the highest owned roster on this uh, wide receiver. On oh this. yeah, oh yeah, yeah.
2: So yeah, we'll talk about him in a second. And you're right. Uh, Hunt, by the way, specifically on Fanduel. Again, I ran the same amount of optimals there. Ninety-six percent of the optimals on Fanduel. He's got a really good price of seven. He's like seven-one, right? Hunt, yeah, he looks like a really, really strong play Rich, there.
3: Rich said he thinks Hunt ceiling is like hasn't been tapped yet. I know Hunt ceiling hasn't been tapped yet because he cramped in the fourth quarter of that first game. He got in place of Chubb, and then he got an ankle injury in the fourth quarter of this past one. But he was at practice today. He's healthy, and so all he needs to do is just stick around in the fourth quarter, and suddenly he's handling. 75 to 80 percent of backfield touches as one of the w- league leaders at that position so
2: yeah I mean this is finally a great matchup now so I love Kareem Hunt. So let's talk about Gibson because again this is a guy that's not been on the field so like you know week four he was only the field 44 percent of the snaps and 56 percent last week downgraded the 37 percent and everybody's going to want to play Gibson he's the shinier new toy and there's Jenny McKesick who he's on the field more at least he was last week this could flip-flop in theory Gibson's our the running back of the future Uh, I think they trust McKissick more in pass protection. He's also a guy that's been out there, like you said, in catch-up mode sometimes. Uh, It seems like a really interesting uh, leverage play to play McKissick if nobody's going to play McKissick versus Gibson. And and Gibson's popping right now in optimals. He's the guy, you know, he's cheap enough in the matchup against Dallas, of course. But, you know, Daigle, can we say he's going to be on the field more than 40% of the time? Does he have to be because it's Dallas? Maybe he can get there and just, like you said, one or two explosive plays, you're good to go. Perhaps, but I will be – Fully honest with
3: everyone, even if the model told me McKissick over Gibson, there's no way that finger is hitting McKissick over Gibson. So,
2: <laughs> just gotta what if I told you yeah, like I mean, ten, like ten times less ownership? What would that change things?
3: Uh, I, I'm making it out a mirage.
2: I may just yeah. not play a DFS that day. No <laughs> way. No I way. mean,
4: McKissick is like fine for like what you need to just like get by um, season long. You know, when you're trying to fit, maybe if you're trying to fit all these expensive pieces, but Gibson's not expensive himself because he's still getting the goal line carries. You know, McKissick's getting all this, all the cleanup duties and the passing down work, but he's not stiffing goal line carries yet. And that's, we need him to get in the box. We need, we want guys that at least can say, hey, if they run into a big game, but can you score multiple touchdowns? Can you get a touchdown? Uh, and I don't think McKissick can get there. I think he's more of a, a floor, you know, hit your value guy uh, to open up your roster, which I have no pushback if that's
2: your goal in using him. Um, but uh, he's not getting the goal line carries. Speaking of goal line carries, speaking of getting – this guy gets everything, assuming he's not dinged. Uh, I think he was – you know, he might have been held out of practice today or was limited, and he kept he was in and out of the, the game last week. But Joe Mixon is a, one of those guys that don't people just don't like. But I'm fairly certain he's leading the league in opportunities. You guys can correct me on that. Uh, and that's the most important thing. I don't care how good you are. If you're getting a, a pile of opportunities, I'll take my chances. Uh, even an, injure, an injury, uh, you know, Riddle day. he had, what, 18 touches, 18 opportunities last week. Before that, we've seen multiple games of over 30 – Uh, and he's still got a really reasonable price on DK at 6.3K. Rebar, are we in on Mixon assuming he's healthy? Uh, I don't think he is.
4: Uh, (laughs) I mean, he didn't practice today. Zach Taylor offered us no information uh, Mm. on how healthy he was or if he is healthy. Uh, He was clearly banged up in that game uh, Mm. just just from a visual stance watching that he was banged up in the end of that game. He kind of came back. I don't know if he made it worse or not um the Browns are really good against the run they did all 100 yards to James Conner um in that game they got blitz craig uh but I mean it's I it's tough for me man I just think it's such a mismatch this defensive line versus this Bengals offensive line and he wasn't he was good from a fantasy stance because he had four catches for 40 yards and these teams played although he ran 16 times for 46 yards uh when they played I just think it's such an overwhelming mismatch this Browns defensive line versus the Bengals uh, offensive front um I, I understand holding your nose and playing the touches but there are a lot of touches I can I can buy this week
2: yeah uh Diggle, your thoughts on Mixon, and I also want to bring if like most out uh how do we fill up McKinnon is this a McKinnon week potentially so on Mixon,
3: I'm actually leaning towards that we get Bernard so that's why oh. I don't know anything about that I mean, it, it really does sound bad, or it looked bad, and then it has not been good, at least through Wednesday so far, for Nixon. So we should look to plug in Bernard, perhaps, four or five those games. Uh, but for the 49ers are interesting, because it's just it's a lot to unpack here. So Jared McKinnon <laughs> had a career-high 92% of the snaps in that game in Week 4, and since that time, he's averaged three yards per touch, and the 49ers have continued running with the hot hand. Jermichael Hasty was the hot hand last week but that was when jeff wilson suffered a calf injury so like if wilson's healthy and mckinnon's healthy and hasty's available which i think all three would be i would imagine wilson is still used quite a bit over hasty because they had the option to use hasty they didn't call him up from the practice squad until they absolutely had to until injuries um so yeah like i don't i, I don't trust the hasty situation at all if i picked one it would be mckinnon but i don't think i'm going to use either personally um, having said that, I also like other running backs, Justin Jackson, because last four games, Jaguars, even with CJ Henderson and Miles Jack are just getting destroyed minus 60 point differential the past month. And Justin Jackson came back and was used like Austin Eckler, um, 20 touches to Josh Kelly's 12 and six targets to, to Kelly's one in that game before the bye. So we know that they will probably build a big lead and Jackson could help do that. Plus get the garbage time carries. I also I'm hoping Le'Veon Bell is active because if he is, Mm -hmm. I am smashing CEH in every lineup I have because Bell likely will not be used that much in his first game. And CEH, I think his worst case scenario is week one where Daryl Williams got nine touches, but CEH still handled around 73% of the backfields touches with uh, a bit of work inside the 10-yard line. So I would love to play CEH on reduced ownership.
4: Yeah, I don't uh, think. Can that you imagine if this slate adds uh, Gio Bernard too? Like that's the last thing this slate needs. That
2: opens up Seattle, and Arizona, Arizona is more affordable. <laughs> it it'll make that Seattle Arizona game much more affordable. You know, if you want. Yeah, but, then, but
3: but see that that's the thought everyone will then have, and so Gio will come in like over eighty percent owned. So then <laughs> we have to do the next step and think about fading Gio to build an alternative lineup. This is the DFS life. This is it's it's going to give you a headache by tomorrow. So are you worried
4: at all about the, because we didn't mention Herbert and how good he's played. Are you worried at all that this is the game that sets up just for them to run it 35 times?
3: Um, well, I mean, that's why we would play Justin Jackson, right?
4: No, I mean, just in general, just a general thought. Like, oh, just, okay. uh, cause you know, Herbert is a guy that's obviously he's ranked in everyone's top 10 this week. He's been awesome. He's living, he's living in kind of an unsustainable fashion because his team puts him in the worst spots that he keeps overcoming. But uh I think it's interesting. Josh Kelly, I think it's interesting, too, because his role in the offense, the Josh Kelly role was never going to be good against the Buccaneers or Saints. Like it just wasn't. And, and now he's going to a team, like you said, against the Jaguars, where his role could have a little more leeway. He still came in inside the five in that Saints game, too. Uh, so I'm curious to see if you know how many people have jumped off of the, the Josh Kelly bridge uh, and see him have a positive game too. you know, coming out of the bye.
3: And, like, against this defense, I even initially had Herbert in my pool with Keenan Allen, um, assuming he gets back healthy, since he yeah. did leave the league in target share until he went down. But, again, against this defense, now there are rumors Minshew might get benched if he, if he performs bad in game. It's like, I can't imagine a scenario where Jacksonville scores 17 points. And so, like, that gets me away from Herbert in that passing game.
2: Can I ask a non DFS question? I'm curious. I asked this on Twitter last week and maybe I was being prisoner of the moment or hyperbolic, or whatever. Uh, Herbert's looks just fantastic through like, but four games, whatever it is, uh, as an asset, how many quarterbacks can you definitively say you'd rather have for the next five years than Herbert's? What's the number? Like six. Oh, I thought you were going to say the rookie class. I was like, none. Oh no, but no. I'm no. talking about all everybody. And like, consider the next five years under, and forget about contracts. I'm just talking about, you know, just having one on the field.
3: Uh, I gotta look up quarterbacks. In the I don't eight. know if I'm
2: quite there yet. As exciting <laughs> as it's been
4: uh, okay. to say five guys just for five years, because I mean I've got five years of Russ left. Uh, He's one. Yeah, definitely have Kyler, Mahomes, Lamar, Dak. Uh, yeah, Dak.
2: We uh, can definitively say Dak. Definitively, I yeah. can. Yeah. I <laughs> hope he recovers. But yeah. okay, yeah.
4: Yeah, I can. Sean. I definitely not I definitely do not believe Justin Herbert is better than Dak Prescott right now.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, right you're now not, you're I'm not gonna here. give me that camp either, though. No. Dak is um, Dak is great. Right, we're okay. getting Finn though, Josh Allen. Uh We, take him over to we didn't him, right? even talk about Watson. Yeah, Watson. Of course, of course Watson, yeah. Uh it may be the Josh Allen line. Like I think I'd still take Josh Allen right now over Herbert the next five years, but that's an argument to be had.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Well I think that
3: we're that's about where we're
4: getting to the line. Uh I mean, we—I don't want—we're—we're we're starting to get in the weeds here, but uh, <laughs> I know, I've got a lot of—I've got—I have a lot of Anthony Lynn takes uh, in the chamber because he's oh, not well. doing
2: just—he's not doing Justin Herbert any favors. I just—I've been super impressed by him. I don't watch a lot of college football, so i don't, i don't have—I didn't have any sort of bias coming in. But uh, all right, uh, this is the question <laughs> I have. Uh, this is a great like: Do running backs matter and do defenses matter? Because Derrick Henry, and also recency bias went absolutely like, nuts last week. If you wanted to win some money last week, yeah, that's some Derrick Henry uh Pittsburgh has allowed the least amount of fantasy points all season long the running backs on DK specifically uh they have you know clearly have one of the better defenses and there's Derek Henry who you know is an absolute monster doesn't catch the ball doesn't matter sometimes if you're gonna break off 90 yard touchdowns you don't need to catch the ball I don't think people are gonna play Henry uh I, I that just kind of way to slate is that right now at least on Wednesday night uh, are we bullish are we bearish as far as Henry this week who's gonna take I'm am- Bearish against Henry this week. So I I have a bias that really
3: doesn't allow me to play players when they're good the next week. Um, So let's start there. But also, uh, I just think the matchup is awful. And What's funny is I love this total. I like it over because Vegas is, pri- Vegas is pricing it as if these are two defensive teams and they are not. Like these are two offensive teams, in my opinion. So um, I like the Titans and I like the over quite a bit. But I think this is more of a Tannehill game since they will send the pressure and Tannehill has been spotless under pressure and averaging over 10. He's averaging 10 and a half yards per attempt from play action. I don't think it's a Derrick Henry game personally.
2: Rebar? Uh, no, I'm not playing Derrick Henry. I think, <laughs> I think everybody's going to say that this week, and and also Zeke. I guess you can mention him in passing, but th- that line is just so brutal, right? And it's so weird to see Dallas in a team total uh, a game total of like forty six, which is just odd. I mean, I mean, did Kyle you see Allen, Andy Dalton and it,
3: Monday
2: night? <laughs> I mean, look, he had so he was he didn't look great, but he wasn't going to lot of help, and Gallup dropped the touchdown. There was a pass interference that should have been called. It, but yeah, he's and you know he he wasn't spectacular. He was not as good as Dak. And not Zeke before Henry. Say it again. I would play Zeke, uh, still, uh, you know, if
4: he's going to, anytime Zeke is going to be potentially low owned, I'm interested, uh, I I would go to him over Derrick Henry.
2: Yeah, fair enough. And I think both those guys are going to be kind of sort of lost in that Dallas line is hurting, but like Zeke, I think was targeted with 10 or 11 times last game. And I know he was all season. yeah. <laughs> he's He's been great. Uh, one of the top backs, uh, you know, from running in a uh, receiving perspective, we got to move on talking and about receivers. Oh, go oh, ahead. but yeah.
3: For Zeke, though, I was going to say quickly, uh, like that's the game plan. They don't have a choice. That's like they are literally <laughs> running the Cardinals horizontal raid. They took the card and now they're carrying it through the rest of the season because the offensive line is in shambles and they, they just they don't have anything else to do but to throw the ball to running backs very
2: quickly. So I think this can sort of shape the slate depending on how things go forward. But uh, Deontay Johnson is 4.2k on DK, assuming you get four quarters out of Deontay Johnson, which is something you can't assume, but assuming he, he does, and like we you know the, the rise of Claypool and then like Juju, who knows what's going on? Dago, you had a great tweet today regarding that. I feel free to speak on that. But, uh, and like Deontay Johnson at 4.2k, we we have to, like, he's got to be in the mix, right? Uh, I think he's in the mix. I mean, we still have those two weeks
3: we're hanging our hats on where he had a 31% target share. And I do like spinning everyone's injury biases back in their face in DFS. Like, I don't care. I'll take the L if it gets me a player at low ownership. Um, I don't know if he fits in my builds personally just
2: yet, but I like him a lot. Sure. All right. Uh, Yeah. 4.2k. Just, uh, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get the same amount of usage again, but that just seems so cheap for me. I mean, you're the one, though, who wanted to talk about Terry McLaurin. Like, do you want to? Well, yeah, he's just like, you got to play him, right? Like, how do you not play Terry McLaurin, especially on DK? He's, you know, he's the most popular guy popping up in every single optimal. Uh, he's got the, the nut matchup there against Dallas, and for whatever reason, his price is not fully adjusted. And he's had some tough matchups, and he's been okay in tough matchups. He's been fine in tough matchups. And I know his quarterback is Kyle Allen, which is not ideal necessarily. But uh, at 5.8K on DK – and, you know, he's 12 targets last week, 7, 14 before that. It just seems like that price is wrong, especially when you bake in the fact you're facing Dallas and they're just completely horrific. And, again, I understand it's not one of these totals that have, like, 57, 56, or even in the 50s, but he's the offense there in Washington, the main pass receiver, unless Thomas catches his, you know, three-yard touchdown, whatever it is. Uh, Dagle McLaurin that's like that's one of the first pieces you put in your cash game at least that's my thought process totally I agree I don't know about tournaments just yet but uh absolutely in
3: cash games and then of course you also have Dalton Schultz there like Dalton Schultz is also safe because he's running these shallow routes now and they have to get the ball out quickly uh five targets from Andy Dalton and I would imagine he continues as one of the few safe receiving options in that offense for the rest of the year
2: Rebar, I'm sure you have some receivers in the chamber. Do you have anything to say negative about McLaurin? I assume you're on board. If not, feel free to fire away. But uh, anybody else as far as receivers? Or who do you have for us?
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, how could you not be? Just the amount of usage he gets, matchup lines up. Hard to get away from. Uh, I think DJ Shark is interesting uh, in this game to, as a runback. Uh, the Chargers have... Uh, they have lot at least five receptions uh, to uh, wide receiver one options in AJ Green, Tyree Kill, Robbie Anderson, Mike Evans, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Sharkhead nine for 80 in this matchup a year ago. I think he's kind of interesting. He's coming off 14 targets. Uh, Tim Patrick is interesting, but his price—he uh, kind of s- is still slipping through the radar for the usage he's getting. Uh, he is smoking Jerry Judy an opportunity the last uh, few weeks. The last two weeks, he has 15 targets to eight to Jerry Judy. He has 294 air yards to 143 for Judy, uh, and he's got 10 catches. He's converted the targets actually for 10. 10- for 214 or is Jerry, Jerry Judy is his fork, just four catches for 93
3: yards. And he's um, running like, uh he's running different routes than Judy. Like I still can't yeah. believe the Broncos game plan last week to just come out and just launch the ball into space every single drop. It's Drew Lock baby. This is Drew Lock. Drew awful but in one fun. game
4: Drew Lock's playing one game. and That's what he's doing, man. And it's a lot of Patrick's fun. are. I mean, he's not completing those passes, but no, he's 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 close. fired him. He's, he's got he's a big yard,
2: Patrick. Yeah, I think it was like seventeen point five or something like that. Was a big number. I was looking at that one before the they, show. Yeah. They, they were like Noah O, uh, Albert O. They were throwing him out there twenty yards deep. And Drew Lock was still just
3: launching into the ether balls to him. Like it was a lot of fun, actually. Did yeah man, dulac July, has got
2: one one he's here for one thing, man, one thing only. <laughs> <laughs> so there's they're, they're talking about the coach talked about the potential of Minshew getting benched for what it's worth. And uh I don't again, this is sort of narrative street. If you want to walk there, rebar much sure if you caught this. You mentioned shark and I wouldn't say Shark kind of threw him under the bus, but he basically said like that Minchu kind of sucks. Like he's not like uh like he's not putting us in the position like I can't really exact I don't want to, uh, the context, get it out of context, but Shark kind of sort of implied that Minchu was not making it happen. It's like the plays were the right plays, and we ran the right routes, and we were open, and we couldn't get the job done. Well, if those are all true, who are we blaming?
1: Well, listen. Like, yeah.
2: Let's DJ Shark, let me tell
4: you what bud. Uh, if if you think Mike Glennon is gonna start getting you the rock, <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or Jake Luton, you, like, you, you just wait for what you asked for, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't mention Devonte Adams. We mentioned uh, Rodgers with Devontae, You know, I expect he's gonna be fine. Right? We're not. We don't care about last week. He's gonna be okay. and He seems like a great play this week. Assuming you can fit him in, we're good. Yeah. Still ten targets. Still just as good. I
3: mean, th- that game. Just my God. Again, a guy with the Packer stack watching that game. Uh, it was awful. The Bucks defense threw all sorts of exotic bl- at, uh, blitzes and coverages at them, and boy, the Packers had zero answer on any play.
2: Any other receivers that are worth a head nod, or shall we talk about a couple of tight ends? I know those aren't exactly a lot of fun, but at least we have two of the best in the league on the main slate. Uh, can anybody break the tie as far as their favorite tight end this week? Is it Kelsey or is it uh, is it Kittle? Anybody? Rich. I mean, are, are
4: we are we thinking Kittle's gonna get the the Belichickian, uh, yes, dark dark so. underlord attention? Yes. I mean, I would love to see this with all of us knowing it as novices. Kyle Shanahan has to know that, so let's see what Kyle Shanahan. What, do you think Kyle Shanahan can say, "Hey, man, I know he Bill wants to Kittle away"? Does you think that Shanahan is, uh, You know, kind of kind of a little bit of shade of saying like it's internally saying i'm good enough to scheme kittle <laughs> to get some stuff still like as a chess match i want to go that narrative street
2: challenge accepted uh unless they yeah, yeah, I exactly. all of a sudden gets loose or something like that maybe they, uh, they're not paying attention <laughs> to him but Oh, man, is that, is that the least interesting game on the slate? That might be, right? The Patriots, oh. are, the Patriots are an objectively miserable team
4: to watch play yeah. football. They, <laughs> ruin, they ruin football. Like None of their games are fun. They're, none of their games are fun. The, the Seattle game was fun. That was it. And the, the rest of these games have been hot garbage.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, if John Ewer doesn't play, do we have any interest in sir I know he was good last week, but I don't know if I trust that going forward. Uh, if we don't have salary for tight end, g- give, me a, give me a chibi or two, Dagle, that you think can kind of sort of pop. I already mentioned Dalton Schultz. I think he hangs around
3: in this offense. Uh, I wrote a – this is not season-long talk, but a space for season-long talk. I'm going to do it anyways, though. I wrote a uh, sell-high column um, a couple of weeks back and, or before these, this slate of games, and CeeDee Lamb was on there because I was worried about him and Amari Cooper in particular sticking around in this offense. And through one game, it looks like an issue for them in this offense, whereas Dalton Schultz, in my opinion, is still safe underneath. Um, Austin Hooper is interesting because his opportunity and target share just continues to grow every single week. Uh, Beckham as Rich tweeted out earlier this week, will never reach hundred yards again. Uh, Jarvis, Landry, <laughs> Jarvis Landry has just, just become a five target, four catch guy with no ceiling in this offense. Whereas Austin Hooper is yeah, emerging and perhaps he's even more involved now that David Njoku is back to his trade requesting days. So those are kind of the, the cheapies I'm on last week. I was on Burton over Irv Smith. I would just say, Wherever the chalk goes, go the other way. It's tied in. Never play chalk at tied in.
2: I don't know how to pronounce this dude's name on Denver. He, he did have some op- uh, opportunity. to pronounce. Well. O. Yeah, there you go. That, that's how you pronounce it. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know he didn't have a ton of routes, but he made the best of them. And if Phantasm plays, he's 2.5K on DK. But you're, you mentioned Hooper, and Hooper's a guy that's kind of popping right now on the optimals on DK. He's playing against 76% of them. Just because, like you said, the, the price is cheap enough and he's getting enough opportunities. Beckham had an interesting quote today. I won't focus on that part of it, but I will say he did mention casually that he has he's dealing with a turf toe, like a turf toe injury. Just kind of threw it out there. It's always man. Yeah, uh, he something, said
3: he, yeah, he call call wants to play nice. through it,
2: but um I, w- Jerry... I would love the the play you're not gonna
3: do that I would love to do is Chris Herndon. Um Oof. but again, yeah, like Chris Herndon is they're just not even using him properly, but it, it is a really good spot. But I'm just gonna play Crowder, so don't forget I said that.
2: Yeah, I mean he starts, he's there's he's three K. Good lord. Uh, but they did this you' letting much. him like catch up, they're not throwing balls to him which is that's kind of a problem you get no points for pancakes right so uh yeah what do you have Mary rebar any tight ends that like I'm, I'm missing or it's just it is what it is and we throwing darts if you do the money for for kelsey no 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 yeah you guys
4: pretty much covered uh anything that we'd probably potentially be kind of really wanting to entertain
2: here yeah i i, I want hunter henry how about him is he does he do anything for anybody hunter henry kind of an off he's, the board he's probably gonna be the highest down on the slate right Okay, well, I don't know. It, 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 and again, it's hard to say because like if Mixon is out and all of a sudden Bernard opens things up and now you have salary to spend on a guy like Henry as opposed to if it's tighter, if like there's no uh, cheapies that all of a sudden are going to elevate as far as touches because of injury and we don't know this stuff on Wednesday. And, uh, this, not in the slate when I saw Oakland was dealing with a potential breakout with one of their offensive linemen. I saw somebody mention Waller in the chat. What's up chat? Feel free to like and subscribe. We do appreciate that. That's how we keep pumping out the, the free content here. Uh, speaking of that, we went way over time. I apologize for keeping you guys long. I apologize to Devin as well, but I feel like we got some good information out to the people before we step aside. Uh, tell, tell them where they can find you. Of course, everybody is following you guys on Twitter, but in the off chance, somebody is not, where can they find you on Twitter? What is your Twitter handle? Where can they find your content? Daigle, you go first.
3: At not J Daigle because at John Daigle was already taken. So screw the system. <laughs> and you can find me at the roto world football Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, please. And then rotoworld.com.
4: Rebar? You know, uh, yeah, Sharp Football Analysis. uh, You can find me at Pre-Snap Motion uh, Podcast with Chad Scott, Sharp Angles Podcast with Dan Pasuda and Cleve T.A. Uh, You can find me here uh, every Wednesday at 9. So
2: lock it in. I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it, boys. It's going to be an awesome week. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of plays we talked about. There's even some we didn't mention because you just can't mention everybody, and that's not even helpful anyway. Just say, yeah, you can play anybody. Well, I guess you can, but depending on you know ownership and things like that, if you remember me. That said, we're going to step aside. We're going to get out of here. This was the Pick 6 show. That was Rebar. That was Daigle. I was Dean. Thanks for Devin uh, to produce the show. This is this was football. you guys are not aware, like, subscribe. Check us out on Sundays as well, starting 9 o'clock in the morning. We're out of here. Holler. Thank you.